Hey, we're talking about identity. The next six weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, sexual identity. We're going to be talking about uh, men and women, the difference between that gender. We're going to be talking about marriage and roles in marriage. We're going to be talking about church and who we are and, and, and this family of faith that we have. Uh, a lot of really important things that we'll be covering in this next series. And really, the, the reason that we decided to, to teach this series is that um, society seems to be falling apart. And uh, post-Christian culture is in the midst of a huge identity crisis. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it seems to be fairly uh, obvious, I think, to, at least to me, and I, hope, I think several others. It's, uh, I think it's falling apart because we've forgotten who we are. Really. I, I, marriages are just falling apart at an astounding rate. We have people not even knowing... Uh, who they are, how they should live. Uh, we have families, parents, and kids not knowing how they're supposed to work or operate. We've got, it's, it's crazy. And the thing is, is that uh, God's word has good news for us. Where the think the culture has fallen apart, God's word gives us a foundation to be able to stand so that we can serve. And so that's what we're going to be covering these next six weeks. And uh, I think that it's hopefully uh, helpful, hopeful, and encouraging. And that's what we'll be doing. And so today we're going to be talking about really the source of that identity, which is in Christ, is where we begin. Now, uh, I know that some of you guys are new to our church. You've come for the first time because we've got a lot of Ravencresters as well as some others. And so every series we have a Bible memory verse that we, uh, as, a, as a congregation, get to share and, and to memorize over the course of the, the series and be able to uh, not just memorize but meditate on and be able to apply into our life. And so the memory verse for this series is Galatians 2.20, uh, which says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that a powerful passage? And that really becomes the foundation of everything else that we're going to talk about if we can begin to apply this. And don't just memorize it, but begin to think about what does it mean? How does it apply? And today we're going to give you a little bit of uh, information to help you begin to apply that because that's going to be our text today that we're going to be preaching from. So if you have your Bibles, please turn them to Galatians chapter 2. All right. If uh, you have one of our Bibles, then it's going to be on page 811. If you forgot your Bible today, don't worry about that. We've got plenty of them. They're by the sound booth in the back. You can use one of those. And if you need a Bible, just keep it and be our gift to you. Now, as you turn to Galatians 2, let's give you some context. Galatians is a book written by the Apostle Paul to the churches in this big area uh, called Galatia. Right? Or, and so what we have is it's like a, a region, like uh, the northern Colorado, right? It's got, it, was a, it was a region, and there were churches there, and the churches were struggling with identity politics, right? They, they had Jewish Christians, and they had Greek Christians, Gentile Christians, and there was some trouble amongst them as to how they to get along, because their cultures were different, their races were different, they had all of these things that, that would, they normally would identify by themselves historically, and what caused was a lot of division in the body of Christ. And so the Apostle Paul writes this church to be able to say, listen, why are we saved? Not by law, not because of our culture, not because, but we're saved by God's grace. And there's something that we have a new identity, all of us together. And that's what he's talking about here in this passage, is who we truly are now that we are Christians. Now this entire chapter and this entire series, by the way, is really for the Christian. 
If you're not a Christian yet, we love that you're here. In fact, I'm so grateful that you are here. And I hope you take this as an opportunity to kind of peer behind the the curtain to see what Christianity is, what Christians really believe. What are we about? What is this culture like? But for both of us who are in Christ, this is God's word for us, uh, who we truly are. Galatians, and especially in this area, this chapter really talks about identity. How do we identify? Who are we? And that's why I chose a memory verse, by the way. And so, obviously, we have our memory verse, and you can see it's on page 811, it's, uh, verse 20. You can see in there, I'm going to read verse 19, so you get the sentence before it, and then the sentence after. It says, For uh, through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. You see, it's important as we, uh, as we begin this passage that identifying in Christ, finding our identity in him is, is a fundamental issue of Christianity. Right? When we miss this, oftentimes we miss the, the whole purpose of grace, so the power of grace in our life. So we're going to talk about today what defines us. And to begin with, let's talk about the things that do not define us. And the first one that does not define us is I'm not defined by my culture. Most people find their definition by culture, don't we? Right? That we, we've, we say, okay, I am, uh, I am white because culture says I'm white because of my skin's this way, right? Or I'm middle class, or I'm American, right? Or I'm male, right? I mean, there's a lot of things, or I'm middle-aged, right? There's a lot of things that culture could look at me and say, this is who you are, and they put me in in a peg, and they say, this is who you are, but I'll tell you what, I'm not going to be this same guy when I'm in heaven, right? Culture has a definition of me, and that's something that we cannot allow to stick. Race, gender, socioeconomics, all of that. In fact, just a couple chapters later, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 26, you can look in your Bible there, also have it on the screen. Paul says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see in that chapter how he points to all the things the culture uses to define us? I mean, start there, that that you are neither Jew nor Gentile. Racial? Do we have a racial divide in our country? Yeah, but we should not have one in the church. Right? The the culture defines us by race. How about about just uh, having just the culture of it? Not just being, I am genetically Gentile, but how about the culture of being Gentile versus Jewish? Or American versus, you know, uh, Mexican or European? Don't we divide ourselves by culture? A lot. But not in the church. And see, in the church, it's different. How about we say here that we are neither slave nor free? Do we define ourselves by our socioeconomic status? Right out in the world, isn't there a class warfare? You have the people that are in the unions and the the people that are in management. Or you have the middle class versus the, the poor versus the rich. Isn't that kind of the narrative that we find in the political season that we're going to see all kinds of ads on TV talking about how in our society the rich get richer versus the poor and all that? We don't have to play that game in the church. I'm not just my socioeconomic status. That 
is what the culture uses to look at me. The world looks at me and says, Aaron, you're middle class. Oh, no, no, no. I've got a better identity than that. Thank you very much. But it says here, this is people have been, been identified by those things for a long time. How about this? There's neither male nor female. Now, do we oftentimes, have you seen the uh, heard of the battle of the sexes? Have you ever heard of that? That has been destroying families and people since it came about in the 70s? There's a war out there between men and women, but not in the church. You see, that it says that we don't have to play into that sick game that the rest of society plays into because I don't have to keep the same identity that the rest of the world has to take. That's why this message is for Christians. If you're not a Christian, you still have those identities. That's still who you are. But in Christ, I don't have to have that in my identity. That's not who I really am. Why? Because the person who was those things died. Isn't that the memory verse we just did? Just a chapter before this that set the foundation for this Satan? That he said, I died to myself. I was crucified with Christ. Crucified people are dead. I've done a lot of funerals, and at every single funeral, the guy in the casket doesn't care about what socks he wears or anything else or where he goes to to lunch the next day because he ain't going anywhere because he's dead. He doesn't care if he's white or blue or black or green. He's dead. The identity that that person had is no more. We who are in Christ have the privilege of laying down those false and temporary identities. That's why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross. That's why he said, if you want to find eternal life, you got to give up your life. Unless it says, unless a, a, even a, a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, there's not going to be a harvest. The very beginning of the gospel is a death to self. This is why Christians are the opposite of selfish, because the self is done. We lose that old identity. Now, Paul's not saying there's no such things as Jews or Gentiles. That would be ridiculous. There are Jews and Gentiles. There are slaves. There are people that aren't slaves. There are men. There are women. God created them. He's not saying those things are bad. He's saying they no longer define us. No longer define us. And I think for us in Christ, we have to begin by saying that the culture around me no longer has the right to tell me who I am because I died to me. I was crucified with Christ, and now I live a new way. I live in Christ. It's actually Christ in me that lives. I have this new life, a new identity. And so it's not becoming or of a Christian to be able to stand up and say, this is who I am. I'm not identified by my political party. I'm not identified by my race. This is not my tribe. That's why in the body of Christ we have unity. That's why in the body of Christ we have this amazing new culture. It's a a great thing. But I can't get there unless I first die to who I am. If I continue to allow culture to say, Aaron, you are a white male, middle class, North American. You guess what I'm going to hang around with? Other white males from North America. That's who I'm going to care about. Right? And everything I'm going to do is going to look like that. But God says, you know what? You, You don't have to be like that. In the body of Christ, you could be something greater. In the body of Christ, we can be something greater. And so, we have to stop allowing culture to define us. I am not who this culture says I am. And we're going to talk about how that, how that plays into things like gender. Right? Male and female, like what the world says about what men and women are, masculine and feminine, is, is sometimes pretty messed up. 
I'm not who the world says I am in a lot of ways. How about husbands and wives? Culture's got it pretty wrong. How about parents and children? Got that pretty messed up. How about in the church, who we are in the body of Christ? We have to begin by recognizing that none of those things, none of those definitions that the world tries to place on me stick because the person that it would stick to died. We begin there. The second thing, which I think is almost as profound, but is also, I think, more freeing is this, is I am not defined by myself. This is something that for older generations uh, is a, a, a crazy phenomenon, but for younger generations is the world that you have grown up in, that we've grown up in, is that this idea that I am who I say I am, right? All the way down to very core things, am I a man or a woman? If I feel that I'm a certain way, that's who I am, right? But it's not just in gender. We have people that, that believe they're other races, right? So you'll have a, a white person that says, I feel like I'm African-American. I've tried this. I said, I, I identify as a trillionaire, but no one seems to accept that yet. But the reality is that oftentimes we feel like and we've been told that we are who we say we are because who knows us better than us? God. God knows me better. Here's the thing. I was crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. The life I live in the body, I no longer live with me, right? I, I live through Christ. What does that mean? It means this. There are days that Aaron feels really guilty. There are days that Aaron feels alone. There are, I went through a period of about three years I felt abandoned by God. Just it was dark, right? There are times I don't feel forgiven. There are times that I, I don't feel worthy or useful, right? I'm telling me myself that I have an identity that I really genuinely feel. I'm not making it up and I would change it if I could, but that's how I genuinely feel. But are any of those definitions real? Do they stick? Am I not forgiven just when I don't feel forgiven? No. Am I not saved at times I just feel not saved? Has God abandoned me? Am I not with God when, when I feel like God is not with me? Here's the thing. I'm going to tell myself a lot of lies about myself. I do. And if I live according to those lies, I embrace them and I say, this is who I am. I am lonely. I am not worthy. I am not useful. I live a life of destruction. I live a life unworthy of the calling that I have received. I cannot be defined by myself. The world is, right? The world out there is defined by themselves. They haven't died to themselves yet. So they get a chance to, to define themselves. But I died to me. So I don't get to tell me who I am anymore. What a great thing is that. But the cool thing is that I didn't just die. I was raised again. I was raised new. I have a new identity, one that goes beyond just my feelings. That's why Paul writes in Romans 12, he says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and improve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
What he's saying is that there's a pattern of this world, the way that people operate and live. They let society tell them who they are and how to live. They let themselves tell them who they are and how to live. And what does it lead to? Destruction, destroyed families, destroyed lives, depression, all kinds of bad things. Because you don't have to be that way anymore. You have to die to that self. Be a sacrifice. That's what it means. You have to be willingly to go up and say, I'm sacrificing my right to tell me who I am. I'm sacrificing my right to do what I want to do. Living sacrifice, and it's a reasonable act of worship. But if I do that, there's something amazing that happens. You see, there's a word there that says transform, that God will transform us. It means that I can't define me based upon who I feel I am because I'm not going to be me forever like this. Right? I'm being changed. Do you ever play with transformers? Or you know who those are? And maybe some of you. Right? Not the movies. The movies are horrible. But like the cars, right? The cars. The car, if you get to buy a transformer and it comes in, it looks like a car. It looks like a car. And if you asked it, it would say, I'm a car, right? Because it looks like a car. And it will stay a car forever on its own. It can't do anything because it's plastic, right? So it's just going to stay a car. But if its owner comes, the owner can take it apart and move it around. All of a sudden, it's an awesome robot, right? It's an amazing thing. See, God is transforming you. You may feel like something today. You may feel guilty. You may feel worthless. You may feel all kinds of things that are in contradiction with what God says about you. You can feel those things, and you could look at your shape right now, and you can say, all the evidence points to this is who I am. But the power of God's word is that you are not always going to be like you are. God is at work in you, transforming you from the inside out. Who you truly are is not who you've become yet. It says in the word that we're like, like seeds, Right? And who we're becoming is like the, it's like the plant. Like the, it's like an amazingly different thing. Much better and more glorious. Right? Have you ever seen a pine cone? If you look at a pine cone, it looks all weird like a little spiky ball. Would you ever guess, if you never saw a tree, that a pine tree, you would ever think that this could turn into something massive and huge like that? No. But the thing is, is that you, that's what Scripture says. You're like a seed. Like who you're going to become. When we get to glory, it says that what we are becoming is so phenomenal, you can't even wrap your mind around it yet. When we get there, you're going to look in the mirror and be like, man, I'm awesome. Right? I would never have guessed. Why are we identifying as the seed? That's too small for us. There is a new person inside that God is making us into. He's transforming us, but not just in the hereafter, but in the here and now. As we choose to lay down ourselves and die to, to this life, and pick up the new life God has for us. He does a working in our hearts and our, even our minds. The transformation even in our thinking. How we see things. The very deepest level of, of how we perceive the world slowly but inevitably changes. And So how silly would it be for us to define ourselves by a way that we know we're changing out of? You know, the truest thing that can ever be said about you is not what you will say about you. Because you are going to tell yourselves how you feel today. But you have no idea how you're going to feel tomorrow. And you have no idea the glorious being that God is transforming you into. So I can't allow myself to define me. I can't allow myself to say, well, I'm only worthy if I look good or if I'm popular or if I have a good business. I'm a victim because other people have done these things to me. That's who I am. Or I'm, I'm a conqueror because this is everything that I've done in these other things, and that's who I am. No, all of these things, we put a definition on ourselves that is temporary, right? 
There are days that I do not feel worthy of being a Christian. In fact, there's most days. But God says I'm a Christian. There are days that I do not feel forgiven, but I am, and so I have to live according to a person that has been forgiven. There are days that I do not feel like I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Some days I just feel like I was fearfully made, right? But if I live according to the truth that God has a purpose in my life, that he's at work right now doing something amazing, even through pain, even through great things, that God is at work and there's opportunity today to live for eternal and amazing things. If I can live like that regardless of how I feel, I begin to live according to the truest thing about me, not the temporary form that I have now. So if I'm not defined by culture and I'm not defined by myself, then what am I defined by? Because those are the two things that the world uses to define themselves, doesn't it? This is, if you look, turn on the news, news listen to secular people, look at, uh, at radio and, 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 and movies and TV shows. These are the two things that the world says, this is where you draw your definition, who we say you are and how, who you say you are. But in Christianity, we are not that way. We died to that person. So does that mean we don't have an identity? Oh, far from it. I was crucified with Christ, but I also was raised in a new life in him. Which means that I'm not defined by culture, I'm not defined by self, but I am defined by God. That, for the Christian, becomes the very foundation of everything else that we do. All of the troubles that we're seeing in society with, with uh, sexuality and people wondering about that, how about marriage issues, how about family problems, issues in culture and the church, would be stopped if we could begin with just this. I am who God says I am. God can't lie, and here's why. Because if he says it, it becomes true. It says in the beginning there was chaos and stuff like that. There wasn't really anything, and God said, hey, let there be light, and boom, there was light, because God can't lie. If he says it, it becomes reality. If God says I am forgiven, I am forgiven. If God says that I am his child, boom, I am his child. Miraculously, amazingly, I am his child. If God says that I have been created with purpose, I am now created with purpose. If God says that I have eternal life in him, I now have eternal life in him. God can't lie. The truest thing that will ever be said about you is what God says about you. And so you have three voices that are telling you who you are. You have culture, you have yourself, and you have God. I think for those of us in Christ, we have to remember that those other two voices, they don't, they're not ill-meaning. They're just uninformed. They're telling you how they define themselves. But we're new creatures. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus who makes us new. He ha has given us a new identity, a new person, a new life. And who he says we are is exactly who we truly are. I'm a new man in Christ, a new person. If you are Christ Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you are new, born again. That's what that means. And you are exactly who God says you are. You are loved, even when you don't feel loved. Even when culture says you're not loved, you are loved. You have purpose. Even when culture would say you're not doing things great, you don't have purpose, or even in yourself, you feel like a failure. God says, I'm working in you. You have purpose. You are an ambassador, even at times that you feel like, I don't have a right to tell anybody about Jesus, right? Or in times that you feel like you are just awful, God says, no, you are the light of the world. That's who he says you are. You are his child, even when you feel like he is far away. You are still his child. 
Even when the world says that, that God doesn't exist, you can say the proof of it is right here. I'm his kid. You are who God says you are. That is profound. It, it changes us in an enormous way. Because we stop looking out there to find who I am and my identity and let, stop having the world saying, am I okay? Am I good enough? Do I have purpose? All right? I don't have to go that way anymore. I don't have to huddle up in little tribes of people who look like me and act like me and eat like me and talk like me. I don't have to do that anymore because that's not who I primarily am. And I don't have to look in here to ask, am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? Am I purposeful enough? Or anything else, who do I feel like? I don't have to do that anymore. I can get off the wishy-washy crazy train that most of the rest of the world is in. I can look up and I can say, God, who am I? And he tells me very clearly in his word. And that's what we're going to be talking about the next six weeks. Who does God say you are? In his word. Who has he created you to be? Who are you most profoundly, most deeply? And to discover that person, begin to live as the amazing creature of God that you are. Of course, this week, we want to make sure that we, we apply some of these things to our life. How do I begin to apply this truth, this foundational truth? First thing is, I've got to refuse to let the world define me. I've got to refuse to. I say, world, you don't get to tell me who I am. Right? I had been told, just by doing a video that announced this series, I have been told that I was a Nazi. I'm not a Nazi. I don't have any swastikas. I don't uh, you know, salute in a weird way. I don't you know, goose step. Um, I don't hate people. <laughs> right? I'm not who the world says I am. In fact, I really don't have any hatred for people. Right? God tells me I can love even my enemies. I have a superpower. So the world might tell me one thing, but I know it's not true. I am who God says I am. The world can't tell me how I'm supposed to live. See, the world is, is not my master. Society is not my master. It used to be, right? Before I was in Christ, I had to live for this world. It's all I had. But when I found Jesus and I died to myself, I have a new master. and He gets to tell me who I am. And this world's not my redeemer. It doesn't even know who I'm becoming. This world sees Aaron, the best it can do is it might be able to look at the trajectory of my life and say, well, this is who you're be we think you're going to become, but it has no idea. It has no idea the power, the redemptive power of God within me to transform me. Would the world have seen Moses and ever thought that he would be the redeemer of his people and the giver of the law? No, they would say you were a, a lucky rich guy who grew up in the, and, and then you became a murderer. That's what they would have thought. But he became the redeemer, the one who, who came and brought the law to the people, the lawgiver, a murderer world doesn't know. Would the world ever have looked at, at David and said, this is a king? Now, even his own dad was like, you stay out with the sheep. world does not know who you are, has no idea how incredible that God has, has, has made you, what he's doing in you. Refuse to let the world tell you who you are. When you begin to look and you take an, a, a, just a, a look inside yourself, an introspective look and say, where do I draw my identity from? If it is from what other people say, what society says, and, and these little pegs it tries to put you in, break free. The person who's in that peg is dead, but you are now raised and free from it. That you are not in that grave any longer. So refuse to let the world tell you who you are. Refuse to let society say, you know what, this new definition you have in Christ is, is, isn't worth it. 
Because you'll have people tell you that. They'll say it's bigoted to actually find identity in Christ. Who cares? They're just mad at the dead man. The coolest thing about Jesus is after he died, he, he rose again, and then he walked around for 40 days. Think how awesome that was. Right? Because what are they going to do to him now? Right? I mean, he walks through, through Jerusalem. That's the most unchristian, anti-Christian city in the world because they killed Jesus, which is pretty anti-Christian. He comes back and hangs out for 40 days. He's not afraid. He's not angry. They defined him as one thing. They put it to death. He came back. You have a new life in Christ. The world's going to tell you all these dead things. You were like, you know the dead man. But I know who I am. God knows who I am. So refuse to let the world tell you who you are. Don't believe what they say about you. Second thing is, you've got to renounce self-identity. We have to stop this craziness of thinking that somehow I know deep truths about me that will last forever. Does that ever have worked? Ever? Ask somebody who's above 50 if the person who they thought they were at 18 is still the same person they are today. Ask a married couple who's been together for 20 years if the person they married is the exact same person that they are now. You grow through life. You change. Why would we have these static things that say, this is who I am, this is my identity, this is the core of who I am, based upon temporary understandings of things that we know are going to change? It's just ridiculous. You're going to have days in Christ that you're going to feel victorious and wonderful, and you're going to feel like you, you, you have purpose and meaning and ministry. It's going to happen. You're going to feel like who God says you are. That's going to happen. Those are great days. But you're also going to have days you're going to feel miserable, like a horrible failure, like you've been abandoned, like you've been crushed, like you have failed God in a huge way, and that you are not the light of the world. You are the dark of the day. That's exactly who you're going to feel like. But we don't have to live like that. We get off of this crazy, wishy-washy thinking when we finally tell ourselves, you don't know who I am. The Word of God even says it. You don't even know who you're becoming. But what we are becoming is more and more like Christ. What we are becoming is becoming more and more glorious. What we are becoming is more and more sanctified. What we are becoming is more and more purposeful. What we are becoming is, is a great thing. So, realize that you are in the process of being transformed. You're like the little transformer. Who, like you think about it, the transformer. The first time you pull the arms out of the car, the car thinks, I'm pretty messed up. Like, I am weird now. And then the legs flip down. The last thing that pops up usually is the head. Right? You think, I'm like a crazy zombie. Some you feel like in Christ. But if you stick with God, he will transform you into something amazing. You are in the process of being transformed. What we have to do is not tell me who I'm becoming, just to be faithful in the process, to allow God to transform me. That's what i got to do. And so don't let yourself tell you who you are. Don't base your life based upon this is how I identify. Stop identifying in you. I think the best thing that we can do is not just renounce self-identity, but accept my true identity in Christ. That's where Christians need to begin. That's why God gave us his word, isn't it? To reveal to us who we are so we can start living according to right ways. Have you ever heard of people say, well, be true to yourself, otherwise you're living a lie? Well, I'll say this. If you live according to what you think is true to what you believe you are, you are living the lie. If you live according to how you feel today or how society tells you you are, you're living according to something that's not true. You're living according to the dead person, the, the, the old way of life. That's, that's not, you're not going to be that person forever. If you want to live a true life genuine to who you truly are at your very core, live according to who God says you are. Accept that identity. 
That's the only true real way to live. Then, as we begin to obediently and faithfully follow Christ, God transforms us and eventually we begin to own the new person that we are. And it's fantastic. It has a great way of living. So find that identity in Christ. Begin to say, God, I, I'm not going to base who I am by how the world says or who I say, but, but by who you say I am. Even when I don't feel like it, even when other people don't, don't agree, I'm going to agree with you, God. And this is how I'm going to start to identify. I died in Christ. I am now raised and live a new life. The life I now live, I now live in Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. This is where we want to begin. Next week, we're going to talk about our ethics. Where do our ethics come from? I can be a person, a new creature in Christ, but how do I know what is right and wrong? How do I know what is a good way of living versus a bad way of living? We're going to talk about that. And those two things, my identity and my ethic, are the very foundation then to be able to answer everything else in our identity, how we handle gender, how we handle roles in marriage and, and, and church and family and all those other things are the two foundations. And so we're going to be doing this the next week. But this week, what I want you to do is begin to apply just this because finding our identity in Christ is a big, is a big thing. Most of us have a whole lifetime of practice getting our identity in the wrong places, right? We, we war with it. And so I want to do, I'm going to challenge you this week to take a few steps, next steps, and just faithfulness, to be able to apply, uh, just trust God to say, I am who he says I am. And here's how I want you to do that. If you have your connection cards, I want you to pull them out. On the back side, it says, here's my next steps this week. And these are going to be some challenges to be able to draw our true identity in Christ. We start with that. The first thing is I'm going to have you, I'm going to challenge you to memorize Galatians 2.20. Why? Because God's word is powerful. It says it's like a scalpel, right? It can cut even between the spirit and the soul. And if you tell me you know the difference between the two, I, I, I doubt that you do, right? It's so fine, right? And yet God's word is so precise. It scalpels out. It cuts away the cancer of the sin and the brokenness of our lives and, and, the, and the, the things that are in our mind that make us think poorly, right? So apply that scalpel to your life. Begin to use God's word as that filter, that nourishing bread of life so it can transform you from the inside out. Take time this week. Don't just memorize the passage, but even use it in praying. So that I've been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? How about today? Right? I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. What does that mean? Right, begin to apply God's word. I'm going to challenge you. Take this passage and begin to pray over it, apply it to your life. Second thing I'm going to challenge you to do, read 1 John. Normally I have you read the passage that I preached over, but I'm going to want you to read 1 John this week. 1 John was a, a letter written by the Apostle John, young Apostle, to churches that he had the privilege of pastoring over later in his life. And this is a book that really speaks to this core of, of living according to who we really are. And it calls us up to that. It tells us who we truly are in Christ. It's not a long book, but boy, is it powerful. I challenge you this week, spend some time in there because it's writing about you. How about this? Maybe what you need to do is repent. Repentance is a change of life. Maybe for you, it's to begin rejecting the identity the world has put on you. You've been allowing the world to tell you who you are long enough. And your repentance is, no, I'm not listening anymore. I'm going to listen to what God says. I am this person who God says I am. Or maybe you've been telling yourself, this is who I am. I'm, I'm, identifying my, I'm drawing my identity based upon who I say I am, who I feel I am, who I genuinely think I am. And to be able to say, no, I can't 
draw my identity based upon that any longer. It's too temporary. It's not strong enough. I need to identify who God says I am. Maybe that's where you need to start this week. Or maybe what you need to do is join a life group. Reforming them for the fall. It's a community of, of believers who are part of this culture together. That we're setting aside the temporary things that we identify in the past, but we're coming together and saying, you know, we are together in Christ. We are his church. We are his body. We are his bride. We're his family. And we meet together once a week, and we get to not just share word, but also food, which is awesome, but serve our community and each other together. But in that, you are surrounded by a group of other believers who can speak the truth of God into your life. Because isn't it helpful when you hear others reiterate the truth of God? You say, you know what, you may feel guilty now, but God says now you're forgiven. Now you can walk in, in a new way, and they can encourage you in that. That's what a life group does. Maybe that's where you need to be. And if you want to be part of those, we have those uh, forming. We have some existing groups that also could uh, use some new folks because we had a lot of families move away here recently. So um, if you'd like to be part of that, let us know. Maybe there's something else the Holy Spirit's telling you to do to apply this. Listen to God. That's an important thing. But as your pastor, it is my privilege to be able to pray for you and support you. If I know how the Holy Spirit is leading you, then it makes it easier. So if, if God's telling you something else, write it in there, and I will be praying for you and supporting you this week. In a few minutes, we're going to take our offering. As we do, I would like you to take these connection cards. You've made a commitment, and then you can also write that commitment on your notes so you know what it is so you can follow up this week and do it. But also, uh, you can write here if you have a prayer request. Know this. I pray for each one of you every week. If I know how to pray for you, it's even more powerful. And for our Ravencrestor students, we've been praying for you for three months now. If I know how to pray for you, you feel it, write it down. Know that we will be joining you in prayer this week. It'll be our privilege. God answers prayer. He does. So write it down. In a few minutes, we're going to take our offering. I want you to drop this in the offering basket. But there's one more next step that I want to offer to you. Maybe you're here today and you haven't, you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're on the outside. You still have the old identity of the old self. I would feel horrible today if I didn't offer you opportunity. You can be born again in Christ. It's not just for, for those who are already in that Jesus came and he died for you as well. And he offers eternal life for you as well. And the scripture says that you can be saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's a new life and a, new, a whole new identity for you in him. And it is an incredible one. It is so much better than anything that you ever had. And so if you would like to, to learn more about that or to take that next step in faith in following Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is what I want you to do. On your connection card, there's a thing here that says, I would like more information about starting a relationship with Jesus. Because I don't want to give you a sales pitch. This is an offer and an opportunity that God extends to you to be part of his family. And I'm sure you'll have questions, and there's a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense. And I don't have the time right now to cover all of them, but I want to meet with you. So let me know that, and then after the service, come and see me. Let me know, and we'll get together this week, and we'll talk about it. And if you, when you are ready, we'll help you take those steps of faith so that you also can have and find new life in Christ. It's a great thing. Okay, so hopefully we've all had an opportunity to, to make commitments, to be able to, to take some next steps, to apply this amazing thing, to be able to find our identity in Christ. And so uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for these uh, commitments that we've made and for our offering, and then we're going to have the offering baskets passed. Just drop those in there, and then we will uh, have the worship team come out, and they're going to close us with a great song of worship. So, so let's pray. Father God, I am so grateful for you. We are grateful for you, Lord. You didn't leave us as we were. Uh, we were a creation in rebellion. We were uh, 
disobedient children. We were criminals against the high court of heaven. And yet, you did not bring us condemnation. You did not cast us away. Instead, you came and put on flesh and took our sins and died on the cross and killed all the sins with it. And you rose again and provided new life, eternal life, so that we could be together with you forever. But not just as we are, but you also transform us from the ugly to the beautiful. Lord, I pray that blessing over this congregation, that you would help us grow closer and closer to you in relationship and in likeness as we obediently follow you. Help us to draw our identity in you and to not listen any longer to what the world says or even our emotions. Through this series, Father, I pray for your grace and your mercy over this, that you would be able to transform even our very thinking, that we would be set right in a right path so we could be helpful not just to ourselves, but to the community that we live within. Lord, we've made commitments today. Help us to keep those, not out of religious obligation, but, Father, as taking steps towards you faithfully. We ask that you would bless those steps of faith, Lord, and, and begin to transform us. We also pray for, for our offerings and our tithes that we bring to you, just an opportunity for us to worship you with even our things, putting you at the center of our lives. Please take these gifts, bless them, and use them to bring you glory as you transform us in our community through the wonderful, merciful grace of Christ Jesus. We pray all of this in his name. Amen.